Welcome back, Conquer Nation. Um, been a little bit of a break with the holiday season coming through. Uh, we are in January of 2019, and this is going to be the first episode of the new year. So me and Brandon sit down and talk a little bit today about what we saw clients do uh, in 2018 that they did well and things that they could have done better on that hindered and or helped their success. So it's kind of a little bit of an observation of what we saw um, that led to to people reaching the goals that they had or maybe falling a little bit short. We talk about some uh, low-hanging fruit because every time everybody's out there trying to uh, find what's going to make them a little bit faster. Is there something they can buy? Is there something that they can um, maybe do to their bikes? Um, you know, what, what's the secret? What's the hack to getting some free speed out there? So we talk a little bit about low-hanging fruit that you can do that's cheap and that's easy and that's going to make you automatically a little bit faster. Uh, we get into a couple other things. Uh, so maybe some uh, some training tips for mountain biking. Uh, it's starting in Oklahoma. We're getting into the mountain bike season. The Tour de Dirt series starts off in February. The, the marathons are going on right now, and, and gravel racing is starting to kick up and stuff. So we cover a few tips that Brandon has for us on, on training for that. And uh, it's more just an episode to get the season started, to get the year started. And I got a couple of good guests lined up for this year. We're probably going to try to do one to two episodes a month and kind of get back more consistent at this. But I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you want uh, to get a hold of Brandon, you can follow him on Instagram at bmoneyracing. Uh, you can get a hold of me at Ryan. Uh, on, you, know, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. It's Conquer Training uh, on both. And we look forward to a, a great 2019. Get in touch with us if you need anything. Thanks. We're live. We're live. This is magic. This is probably going to be pure gold podcast. Do you think you episode. could make me a sandwich? <laughs> I, I was being sincere with that <laughs> question. She, I think she was being sincere with her response at two double. There you go. I mean, I would eat that. No, you don't have to do that. I'm about to go mess up some BTT. So, Brandon. <laughs> This is probably going to be, clearly, we're off to the best start of any podcast episode ever. Uh, we're going to kind of freelance this one, and if people hear random noises in the background, it's because we've got the dogs going and whatever Miss Andrea has going. So um, I was kind of thinking, last year was kind of your first full year in your coaching business, um, and seeing like a wide range of clients and things that are happening um, and people are doing good and bad and where they can make gains and where they don't or where they drop the ball on things. So it's kind of thinking on this episode that we just kind of jump in as what we saw people do in 2018 and kind of recap and what they can do better in 2019. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, and if you have ideas or thoughts then jump in and, on, and we can discuss other things. Cool. But you bet. Kind of the, the first thing and other clients and you know, you kind of see people talking about all the time is like the low hanging fruit um, I think in endurance sports in general, especially cycling specific and triathlon specific, people get so caught up in the newest, latest, greatest gadget. And you have an experience in the bike shop. Yeah. That's was great for the bottom line. Right, right. You it always, definitely makes the world go round, <laughs> yeah. people spending money. Uh -huh. And it's always lighter, stiffer, better, you know, whatever. But is it really at some point? you know, where 
you can only spend so much money to get a certain amount of gains. Right, right. And triathletes, I think, probably are the worst about this um, because they're always chasing a second here and there. But I'm, but they're middle age group guys on the local scene. But they'll spend eight thousand dollars on this bike because it's sure. faster, right? So and that's cool. I mean, like it is cool. You still need to have a nice ride and take pride in that, you mm-hmm. know. But <clears throat> like the main thing I think you need to focus on over gear and, and things like that is f- most importantly take care of you, right? Right. Like focus on your diet, focus on you know your sleep habits, like focus on your stress levels, like focus on that stuff, and then once you got a refined version of you, then you can really focus on, on the training and the, and the structure and, and, um, you know, the, the gear and all that stuff after Mm -hmm. that, you know, because just having, having a, you know, a lot of gear and buying gears more or less kind of the easy way out, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can, I've seen guys and I've done it myself, right? You know, quote unquote crappy bikes as opposed, you know, and beat people that are riding like crazy expensive bikes the nicest thing out there right because you just have more talent you just put more time and invested more time into yourself you know and there there is a certain amount of speed that you can buy that's well absolutely that's a proven fact yeah Yeah, absolutely there's there's a couple of especially in the triathlon where the arrow is everything you know you're not drafting and things like that there are certain pieces of equipment that will legit save you seconds and minutes just by putting them on your body or on your bike right but that's thousands of dollars at the end of the day, usually, when you, when you look at wheels and uh, you know a frame and helmets and skin suits and all the things, right? But the low-hanging fruit that the average Joe could do, spend zero money, maybe spend a little bit of money here and there. Um, what are the things that you saw that, uh, and talk about races, because when you go to a race, you know, the, the Cat 1 race, you know, the pros and that kind of stuff compared to like the Cat 5 guys, Clearly, there's a fitness difference. Sure. But what are some really good low-hanging things that the Everman can do to just make 2019 better? Um, and it can be from your training. It could be for a race day. It could be, you know, everything in between. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I'll just give a, like, firsthand example of how I like to go to a race. You know, mm-hmm. I like to get a good night's sleep, right? Mm-hmm. That's, like, a huge thing. I like to wake up. I make my coffee how I want to make it. It doesn't matter if I'm sleeping in my van or sleeping at my house or sleeping in a hotel or Airbnb or whatever. Like I, I do my, my breakfast how I want every, every morning, extremely habitual with that. So, so I know what to expect my body to feel like later on, right? Like I do my gluten-free oatmeal with my nut butter and my syrup and my banana or my raisins in it or whatever. It's the same amount of quantity it's the same amount of calories every day it's basically measured out it sounds stupid but it's really just to get the mixture right, right. you know the same amount of coffee which i'm actually kind of limiting my coffee in the morning now mm-hmm. i think a little less goes a lot further it doesn't screw up your heart rate okay. as much yeah. um so you know stuff like that just being habitual with your you being intentional intentional with your with your decisions on, on race day, you know, mm-hmm. and before race day. Like well, I think with, practicing your routine, yeah, your there you food go. routine sure. in your long training days and getting all that dialed in. So when you wake up on race day and you go do it, it's just plug and play. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And you know how it's going to sit on your stomach. You know, it's not going to upset anything. You right. know what kind of energy <clears throat> you're going to have, like the whole Right. Thing. And you know how this, this drink, you know, I drink scratch. So you know how that drink's going to work with you. And, 
you know, if, if the shot blocks are good or if you want something from like SIS or something from Hammer, you know, you, you know how that stuff works mm -hmm. with you beforehand, right? Because if you had the nicest bike or you felt the best, but you had a bad nutritional morning and you have GI issues, it don't matter. It doesn't matter how much training you did <laughs> and how strong you were at the start line, mm -hmm. right? Like no. you, if you can't, you can't complete the race how yeah. you want to, then it's pointless, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I think nutrition and just that race day nutrition is something you're either all in on it or you're like, oh man, I, we're in Denver for this race. So there's this, my favorite restaurants in Denver. So we're going to go have waffles there. Right, well, right, maybe right. You never eat waffles. Right. Not a good idea. I, I pretty much avoid changing anything. I only eat like three different meals for breakfast. And that's all. And most of the time I don't even eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll do my morning training ride. When I do two a days, I'll do my morning training ride fasting. Right. And I'll do that for less than two hours because I can handle that. Right. And then I'll supplement with some clean carbs when I get done riding. Okay. I think um, that's a great start because I even got to the point, I've changed my nutrition over the years on what I had race morning. Right. But there for a while I would do, I was more of a heavy carb guy and I did um, these certain pancakes with the butter for a little bit of fat and then the syrup with, with the sugar, you know, um, with the maple syrup and or races, if they were on the road and I traveled, I took my... I took everything with me right. and cooked it in the hotel room. Right. So right. I didn't have to go somewhere. I didn't go to Denny's to get their crappy. I had my the ones that I wanted that I used. Well, you're making real food that you're used to. Yeah. You know. And so same now. Like if I go somewhere, it's a little bit more uh, protein based um, with a little bit of fat and stuff. But it's the same thing. It's like the eggs and stuff. Like I take it with me, mm -hmm. or I know I can get this at this restaurant where I'm going. I've shouted sure. that out before. Sure. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a great low hanging fruit to not. <laughs> screw up right um right. what about in your day-to-day -day training what are some things <coughs> that you saw um clients do really well um or that could do significantly better um in their just day-to-day -day living is there anything that like really stood out to you that you saw some people do better than others i i don't think people get enough rest like enough downtime i think most people think they need to be like on the go, doing something all the time. Like they think that just sitting on the couch is like wasted time, you know, but I like sitting on my couch. I like <laughs> taking naps, you mm -hmm. know, I think naps are a great thing. Not everybody has that luxury, I get that. Right. But you can always go to bed a little earlier or at least like turn the TV, turn the electron electronics off, you know, and just kind of really start to shut your mind down, you know, around seven or eight o'clock if you get up like most people probably get up around five or six, I would say, you know, I get mm -hmm. up around then just to feed the kid or whatever, right. you know, but, um, which is way earlier than I used to get up. But <laughs> now it's just ingrained in me. That's just what right. time I get up. So pretty cool. Cause I can get a lot more stuff done before I go ride. Right. You know? mm -hmm. Um, but I think, <clears throat> I think for me, like on a personal level that helped me a lot with my training and my mentality, you know, um, aside from the whole breakfast thing, but just, um, people just need to relax and rest more and let the training do the work, right? right? Because the recovery before and after the training is probably equally, if not more important than the actual training itself. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like no matter what coach you have, no matter who you are, like you're gonna go out, you're gonna ride hard sometimes, you're gonna ride easy sometimes, you're gonna ride long sometimes, mm -hmm. but you need to rest after that. You know, and you need to, that way you can clear your head and just, you know, stay focused for the next day. And let the body yeah. prepare for the next day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, people will spend 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on this supplement or this, I got to have this protein powder. I got to get it in three seconds when I get, I get off the bike. Right. Well, I saw the guy in the tour. He drinks a Coke the second he gets done. I mean, I got to do that. Like you see all these things, but if they would just sleep more, yeah, it would take care of hormone issues. It takes care of inflammation issues. It takes care of a lot of things and it's free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I think, and what we talked about in the last <coughs> podcast with uh, tracking your resting heart rate when you wake up in the morning or HRV, then that kind of tells you what kind of sleep you're getting and, and if it's quality, if you need more, if you need less and when you need to cut back. And I don't think you need to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on tracking devices for those things. Pretty probably everybody that listens to this has a heart rate monitor. Right. And they can check it every single morning whenever they get up. Right. And that's free. I mean, after you bought it once and use it for everything, you don't need to spend more on it. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I think all the gadgets and stuff are cool. I think they're they all cool, cool, but they're not not—they're not a replacement for some really basic stuff right. that you can do, mm-hmm. you know? If you would say one piece of equipment that you wish everyone that you worked with has, what would that be? Uh, well, I mean, like a power meter is pretty huge. That would say that's. Right. A, I mean, power meter is going to be the big. That's going to be the most accurate metric. And it's not expensive anymore, relatively <laughs> speaking. No, uh, I mean you speaking. can get a good crank-based power meter used for a couple hundred, yeah. new, five to six hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then you can you'll use them for one or two hundred bucks, depending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's like that's going to be your most accurate metric. I mean, your heart rate is somewhat accurate, but not really. You know, like in swimming and running, I think that's primarily what you use. Um, yeah, yeah, swimming. Uh, yeah, that's a tough thing, but um, I would. But you can use it to see how hard right, the effort right. was. But the running, yeah, you could either be pace based with a Garmin or heart rate. A lot of guys just kind of depending on their mentality and their thought process. But right, yeah, right. I think a power meter. If you're a triathlete or a cyclist, I think power meter is number one on anything. Yeah. Those guys talk about, well, oh, this new helmet came out or this new running shoe came out. I'm like, yeah, it's 200 bucks, 300 bucks. Could buy a power meter for that and it would make everything right you'd make it you'd make everything better right because you recover better you would train better you'd race smarter like everything right just by having a power meter right yeah i think that's number one it's always weird when i ride with people like most of the guys that i train with at like an elite level we obviously all have similar gear mm-hmm. you know but some of the guys i ride with or coach that are at a lower level and haven't quite made it up there yet that don't have power meters you mm-hmm. know and i'm like hey Coffee shop ride day, zone one, zone one, zone two, super easy. <clears throat> we'll go out and ride, and they'll just be, like, jamming it. And I'm like, bro, it's about 50 watts more than I need to be pushing right now. And they'd like, they have no idea. They're like, oh, I didn't think we were going hard. And I'm like, you're, you're not going real hard, but you're still going harder than you need to be going. And if you ride at this lower intensity, like I'm telling you today on your recovery day, mm-hmm. you take a day off from working out, then the next two to three days of workouts that we have planned, you're going to be able to jam those so hard. You're going to be able to do so well at <laughs> That's those, what she said. right? <laughs> because you took this day, mm-hmm. like this recovery pace is like you ride 20 miles, man, an hour at the most, hour 15 at the most. You could have a conversation with your grandma mm-hmm. and keep your heart rate below hundred. That's it. That's, that's it. But <clears throat> that's, that's the thing that I see people. I mean, everybody's been guilty of it at some point. Right. But I think that's the one thing that I see people do wrong, especially if they don't have a power meter, um, <coughs> is a recovery day is never easy enough. Right. Never. Never. And you have to, um, you almost have to go do that day by yourself. 
because if you're with anybody, right, 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 it's just not gonna lie. Or you just do it on the trainer because you know watching a show and small chain ring. And yeah, just spin super easy, mm -hmm. you know. And a, a lot of coaches won't even have you do that because most people can't do it. Right, they can't. it's hard. They can't do it, you know. And it's like, I don't know. I like recovery rides. They're nice, you know. And you know, it's funny because today, uh, Aaron, who from Wichita Falls, right, he. Uh, <clears throat> He's been jamming on that Zwift, Tour de Zwift. That dude has been, every one of those things, he is racing it like a legit race. Oh, right. And he's right. just killing himself. And I see his little numbers on there and power numbers, and it's off the charts. Like, he's riding hard. And today I saw that he, this morning he rode, and it was like, I mean, his races have been 250 to 265 watts. And he's a little dude, so he's just killing it. Right. And today his ride, it was, I mean, I think he was like low hundreds. And I commented on there like, it's so nice to see you have an easy day. And he even commented back saying, it's so hard for me to do an easy day. Yeah. You have to. You can't race every day. Because no. there's nothing better on the planet than racing in June the guy who is real fast in January. Right, right. Because he will never win. Never. They'll plateau early. They'll be injured. They'll yeah, be he'd just be 80% all the time. Always. You know, I'd rather be... 60, 65% sometimes, mm -hmm. and 110% sometimes, you yep. know? You never want to be the fastest dude in the off-season. Right. It's not a good place to be. So I think that's yep. a major thing that people I, right away. now, am definitely not the fastest guy in the off-season. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, is there anything equipment-wise that you would say is a, kind of a low-hanging fruit? Uh, you know, I mean, like, like tire choice is huge. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so some other stuff, like, aside from like purchasing a bike, having a proper fit on a bike. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, having like a good saddle, I mean, right. that's a huge thing. I think, you know, having a good saddle, having a good set of shoes, like all your, you know, your three contact points, your hands, your, your butt, and then your feet, you know, mm -hmm. having, that, <clears throat> sorry, that set up really nice. Yeah. Um, I think a bike fit is huge. I yeah. Mean, I think it's, I think it's like probably the best thing you can do and it's just going to carry over yeah. for years to come. And I think you, know? you need to update it or get it checked once a year. You don't have to pay for the really expensive one. Right. Uh, but you need you need to get it checked because your body changes and shifts and moves and you know, you're tighter than you were in certain areas sure. as the years go by and right. you know, injuries pop up and things. So it's not get a bike fit once and never do it again. I think everybody should get a check in once a year uh, as a maintenance fit. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then my one thing that I see on it, that it kills me every time I go to a triathlon and any triathletes out there are gonna see <clears throat> people spend Eight thousand bucks on this bike. They spend twenty five hundred bucks on this disc wheel, and then you go and they have saddlebags hanging off their bike. <clears throat> they have eighty four goose to the top tube, or they. Does that bother you when you oh, see that? I'm like, what? The? Or they have a terrible fit, and their knees flare out straight sideways. Right. Like, you could have saved so much money and ridden a road bike with clip on arrow bars and have been so much faster. Because you have all this, you have all these parachutes on your bike, right. and you don't you don't fix, so you can't stay in your aero position. Right. So now you're even slower and more uncomfortable. So a proper bike fit, and if you buy, if you have an aero bike, keep it aero. Don't put crap all over it yeah. on race day. <clears throat> Training sure. is different, but on race day. Um, so I, we, I mean, kind of talked about a few things, and I think um, talk about what clients did uh, really good and really bad, and we don't have to get into specific names. Um, but things that you saw from your clients that were successful on certain race days or people that didn't maybe meet their goals on race day, what you saw the differences in, in those people doing? Yeah, you know, so I think, I mean, obviously everybody's different, you know, we all have our own 
lives we're living. But <clears throat> I feel like as before I started coaching, I feel like I educated myself mm-hmm. pretty well on, on coaching stuff and, and had helped coach numerous people and coach myself and just figure out what works and what doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of how to ramp up into a race weekend the right way and how to ramp up into a block of training the right way. So I would say that all the people that exceeded their own expectations were the ones that followed the plan, mm-hmm. right? And the ones that wanted to do their own thing or like, you know, what's weird is like you lay stuff out during the week in an order for a reason. Right. <laughs> and then sometimes people are like, oh, this is my training this week. I'm going to do Friday's workout today and I'm going to uh-huh. next Saturdays, but then on Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to do this other workout. I know it says recovery, but I'm going to do it anyways. And you're like, you can't just like pick and choose when you want to do the workouts. Like the workouts are structured for a reason and yes. they're structured over three to four to six week blocks for a reason, you mm-hmm. know, to, to work on different zones and to, to ramp up for different kinds of racing you're doing. Because a lot of the people I coach, well, they're not just crit racers. They're not just mountain bike racers. They're not right. just doing hundred mile gravels. We do all of them, mm-hmm. right? So that's you can, hard. It's hard, but you can be good at all of them if you follow the plan, right? You know, and I, not tooting my own horn, but I feel like I'm a pretty well-rounded, multidisciplined cyclist, mm-hmm. right? And I know how to build my plan. So when somebody says, "Hey, I want to, I want to race like you. I want to do all this stuff and mix it up and keep it fun," I do similar plan to what I do, right? So if I see you doing all the work. I know that you will have success, right? Right, Because I know that I have success with that, mm-hmm. right? But we're all different, so everybody has to have their own structure in the same way. Not everybody's getting the same stuff, you know? But I, I would say mo- most importantly, like if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna take the time to say, man, I'm gonna dedicate this whole season to racing or next mm-hmm. year or two or three years and I'm gonna pay this coach and you know, like I wanna, I wanna be like, I wanna be a badass dude. Mm-hmm. Well, I would probably do the work the way it's written out, and you will f- you will see the results once that happens. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's what I would recommend. So so the guys. So to answer your question, mm-hmm. the guys I saw that weren't having success weren't doing the work, and the guys that were having success it's were simple. doing the work. But I'm not saying the guys that weren't having the success that they expected weren't winning. I'm just saying they weren't winning as much as they thought they should or doing the way they wanted to. Right. And the guys that were having success weren't necessarily dominating races, but they were exceeding the expectations that they had already set for themselves. Well, and and, yeah. And I mean, I would can testify to that because you did my cross plan and I didn't win anything. I think the best finish I had was fifth, but I saw from the very first race I did, to the very last race I did, my power numbers went so far off the charts and they were higher than I, they've ever been in my life, higher than I ever thought I would get them. Right. And I was so much stronger and fitter. But there was, <clears throat> and across so many things happened. I mean, I had some mechanical issues. I had, well, and it was a muddy year. And too. I had people that wreck in front of me and there's things that you can't control. But um, I put in key, I did all the key workouts when I needed to do the key workouts and I saw great progression. Um, I think, and there is a time, so I have one guy, um, we're starting his build. We're like, I mean, we're literally weeks in. And this week we had bad weather, pool closed, he couldn't swim. Yes, flip things around. Like we're so early on right now, we're just trying to get miles in the body. So it's fine um, to move things around. 
once we get into the nuts and bolts of his Iron Man plan, no, you need certain, you need to follow the plan for the most part in certain areas to make things happen. Yeah. To see progression, to see you need certain, you know, 24 hours between your really hard session to the, or to 48 hours for the really hard session to recover for this next really hard session. Like things are there for a reason. Right. Um, I think the, the big thing that I saw this year for the people that did not have success was they take on too much. Too much, yeah. They want to do every race they see. Right. And they want to do well in all of them. It's never going to happen. If you want to do some races for fun and we can work them into your training plan to make them part of that, okay. But you have to set that reality. Re- exactly. And, and like make them understand like, hey, you're going to do these. Actually, I had a conversation with one of my clients today. I'm like, hey, you're going to do these two races, but we're getting, we're getting you ready for land run. Mm-hmm. So you're going to train through this these two gravel races before, mm-hmm. and you're going to be doing two back-to-back days pretty hard over this weekend, right? And that's going to get you ready for land run. Yeah. So, like, if you just happen to do good, pat yourself on the back. Don't it. But I'm going to expect you to do bad, but I'm not going to tell you that, <laughs> right? Because I don't want you, like, showing up to the start line like, well, shit, B-Money said I'm going to suck today, so right. might as well just give up on myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. Like, I'm always going to say, man, you're going to do great. You're going to mm-hmm. kill it. I know you're probably not. Right. But if you if you don't know that you're not, then you won't give up on yourself. Yeah, maybe right? you power through and have a new Maybe you have a great day. Maybe you feel like crap the first fifty miles and mm-hmm. the last fifty miles you're like the stud, man. You have a new you have a breakthrough workout. Right. That's it. And then and then if you do that, then we can learn from that and we'll right. grow from that. And then we'll be able to utilize that for other training. Right. Mm-hmm. And see how that why did that work out that way and how can we mimic that again. Yeah, I think you expectations know? are something now that we're talking through this is um, is a huge part of it um, for the people that were successful and not successful. Um, I think I had two clients that were really successful this year, and uh, Alyssa, I mean, I have no problem saying her name. She won the age group off-road nationals, and she she did everything. You could tell that girl, hey, I, you should ride your mountain bike from here to Tulsa and find only dirt roads, and I know it's a really long, and when you get there, you can have an apple and then come back. Right. And she'd be like, okay, let's do it. Like, yeah. oh, all right, that's going to suck, but I can make that happen. You know, or you could have to tell some people like, ah, you shouldn't ride for an hour. And they're like, well, I want to go have drinks with these friends. And then I have this work thing. And then like, that's why she was successful and some weren't, right? Right. She would just put in the work. There's no substitute for that. <coughs> There's so, no, yeah, exactly. You know? No, I think that's, I mean, it's, it really is that simple. Um, I think we'll, we'll, Keep it short. Let's do maybe one more topic. Um, I think low hanging fruit was bike maintenance, which we really didn't touch on that. Um, you know, it, it's funny because I I started doing a lot of research because uh, on the, the when the tri side kind of comes out, I you know the arrow is everything, and I was looking up all this stuff. Uh, you know how much clean and well lube drivetrain. It's like it's huge. It's like six to ten watts. <clears throat> it's it, huge. And there's like five watt differences just in different lubes. And I'm like, think how hard it is to raise your FTP 10 watts. Like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. But if you just, like, cleaned your drivetrain and, like, lubed it up before the race. Like, I mean, it's just stupid, right. simple stuff. Right. So bike maintenance is huge. And like you said, the correct tires. And now they got all this research on um, air pressure. Right. Which is, yeah. you know, in the Less gravel is more. Side. Yeah. Less but, is more on air pressure, man. You know. Um. Let's do one last topic um, and we'll do real quick tips on this. And we've kind of talked about it in the past, but we're getting into mountain bike season. Um, what um, people getting into training for, um, for that, what are a couple key workouts 
that you see people, I mean, clearly there's a difference between doing marathon and XC, um, but let's just go XC because that's what most people do. Um, what are a few key efforts that you would see? Is it similar to cross or is it totally as, as different? You're, you're talking about like, we're not, we're not riding mountain bikes. We're, we're, we're focused racing. on racing. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking about a couple of workouts mm -hmm. to get you geared up towards yeah. racing. Yeah. And so, XC, for people that don't know, it's a shorter race, um, shorter mountain bike race, an hour to two hours. Right, right, right. So, so obviously, like, depending on what category you're at, you mm -hmm. know, and, and we figure out, okay, you're going to be racing for X amount of time at all of them. Mm -hmm. Well, then we'll build up to X amount of time of workout, and then we'll structure that with whatever kind of intensities we think are going to be in the midst of that, you know, mm -hmm. like most of the... Most of the races we have around here, you're not climbing for more than right. three minutes, four minutes. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing like VO2 type stuff, it's just, it's short, punchy, but really quick, like back to back. So like Tabata type stuff, okay. you know, and then in the middle of that, you might do a couple of those and then throw in like a 10 minute threshold and then kind of back off a little bit. Because even when you race, you back off. I mean, right. you always, you have to back off. Like you can't just stay at your threshold all day or right. it wouldn't be your threshold. <laughs> Right. Right. Your threshold would be wrong. Right. You know, if you could stay at it all day right. for most people, right. Uh -huh. For like 99% of people. Um, so yeah, you, you know, and, and to kind of more, I guess, in depth answer your question, depending on what races are coming up mm -hmm. depends on how I'll structure your program. Okay. Right. So like within like four weeks of a certain type of race, we will have been doing the stuff that is going to be mimicked in that race, right? Okay. So like, like Lander on the gravel race, it's mm -hmm. going to be on a bunch of really, really rolly. All the climbs are half a mile long, you know, out, out east. Like, yeah. so those are two to three minute jams. So like, you're going to be doing a lot of back to back to back and then sustained effort and then big punches. Cause when we race those, Man, some of those guys, dude, they'll attack the shit out of you on those climbs. Mm -hmm. Those little guys. And you're just <laughs> like, bro, man, why, what are we doing? Uh -huh. And then it's like after one after another after another. And they're just trying to crack you. They're right. just trying to break you, right? At some point, somebody will. Right. So if you don't train that, mm -hmm. you're going to crack, mm -hmm. right? So you just do that. So you just structure for, for what we're doing, you mm -hmm. know? And also, a lot of our mountain bike trails are very turny. Right. So there's a lot of jamming it out of corners, you know, kind of. You know, just killing it for five, ten seconds, slowing down. Killing it for five, ten seconds, slowing down. So you'll mimic workouts based on that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But to go to the other side of it, riding your mountain bike at least twice a week coming into mountain bike season and through mountain bike season, I'd say twice a week at most. Mm -hmm. And when I say riding your mountain bike, I'm, I'm referring to <clears throat> riding on the trail. Just getting on the trail. If you want to just ride your mountain bike to do the workouts on the road, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But actually riding the trail, there's you can do too much of that, right? Like you don't want to do that all the time. Right. You need to build the fitness outside of the trail mm -hmm. and then take that into the trail with your newly acquired handling skill that you're working on right mm -hmm. where you're learning to pump and flow and pedal mm -hmm. and not jam it and hit your brakes and jam it so and when hit you're your going and, and riding your during the week those two times it's not a workout it's practicing skill-based stuff if yeah you, and and I'll, I'll i'll chalk those up as endurance days mm -hmm. so like a zone two day yeah like kind know? of a recovery situation yeah a little harder than that mm -hmm. like you're riding your bike you're breathing kind of hard keeping your heart rate 
130s, 140s for most people. Mm -hmm. You know, most people have a max in the 170, 180, 190 range. So like cruising along. Yeah. So it's below your zone three heart rate. And I think, and, and it was funny because the other day, me and my brother went and rode, and something I never do, and I've committed to doing it this year, is doing more. Like if I don't clear something, going back and like doing way more skill based work on the trail. Yeah. And whenever we did that, we got so much better by the time we were off the trail. Right. And cleared stuff, road lines I never saw. Yeah. I didn't, I always saw like going around this rock instead of just popping a wheel and going right over top yeah. of it. Yeah. And it made things so much easier. Yeah. And, because if you're only pre riding one lap of it and you're only going through there once and you screw it up, but everybody wants to keep going, we didn't learn anything. Mm -hmm. So, like, what we would always do at a new trail that was hard if we didn't like clean it mm -hmm. first go, you know, mm -hmm. you would clean it. And then if you wanted to ride it again, you'd have to ride a different line. Yeah. You couldn't ride the same line. Right. So why, why was this line better than this line? Well, now you know. Mm -hmm. So when you're racing, man, if this line's like a second slower or two seconds slower and the dude right in front of you makes the move to take that line, you jam the other line and you pass him right mm -hmm. there. Right. And you just completely throw him for a loop. Mm -hmm. So like when you know the lines then you can break the trail down into, into sections like that, like the, we got 10 hard sections. Okay, well, I know every which way to get through these sections. And then everything else is just fluff. It's, it's just, you're just riding through the trees. It's not right. hard, right? Yeah. Just ride. It's the same, same thing over and over. And then you get a hard section. Then you're riding through the trees and then you get a hard section, right? I think that's So the... you break the trail down and you practice that. Mm -hmm. And you just, you just practice all the different flows you can. But stopping and repeating the climb, there's no shame in that. Yeah. You know? And I mean, that's... I think that's that's what I'm committed to doing a lot more this year because it's it's a skill base that I need to get much better at. Um, coming off across, I feel like my handling is significantly better than it was right. last year, which I'm super pumped about. How that. much easier is it to get back on your mountain bike after so you've been easy. riding on your cross bike on trail and yeah, stuff? So and you get on your mountain bike and you're like, damn, this trail is just ride over everything. Yeah, <laughs> right. you don't even think about stuff. So yeah, I'm, and that's and I think doing more of this, especially for the for the newer people practicing on the trail, not just riding the trail, and that's chasing Strava on the trail. Like I think, and then whenever you're doing your workouts, doing them where they're focused more on, uh, and I think one thing for new people, um, and kind of finish it up with this, is that we overlook so much as starts. So practicing starts. Oh yeah, uh, did you like those drills? It's, it's such a, I realized how much I leave out there and put myself in a bad spot. If I would just commit, because I, from the start, uh, for people that don't know, everybody lines up next to each other and they say go and it's just a mad dash to get to the trees first. Yeah. And if you're one first one or two people there, life's a lot better. If you're fifth, it can suck real bad. And yeah. It could be the end of your day. But like the first three to five minutes, like everybody goes anaerobic. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go anaerobic and be in 10th, you might as well go anaerobic and be in first. Right. Right. And, and then at least you can dictate what happens. You dictate the recovery after that point mm -hmm. because you took the whole shot. Like there's no rule on passing in mountain bikes, right? Like if somebody mm -hmm. wants by on the first lap and you're doing multiple laps, well, they're just going to have to get by when they get by, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of courtesy after that. If somebody's like with you and they want by, you kind of let them by, mm -hmm. but you don't have to. Yeah, so you, you dictate the pace. Mm -hmm. You set the pace. You got the whole shot. You did the start. You set the pace. Yeah. Right? Start practicing the starts and getting comfortable with that because I'm good with it, but then I always back off too early right. and I'll get past by like two people right before we get there. And now I was sitting in second. Now I'm in fourth. Somebody dumps it or the guy that's in first is strong. He stays on it. The guy that's in second, it was just a good start and he grabs right. us and it's game over. You never see him again. Right. So I think that's one th skill that people really need to 
to work on and I practice agree. that yeah. is very overlooked. So um, I think we'll end it with that. You can go get some big truck tacos, take it to mama. Cool, buddy. Um, we'll do one again next month and uh, get some questions from, from some folks and keep it going. Good times. Thanks, right. man. Awesome, man.